0: Hello and welcome to the Android Central Podcast. My name is Daniel Bader. This week on the show, we are revisiting Samsung's new lineup of hardware, including the Z Fold, Z Flip 3, and the Galaxy Watch 4. After a week of use, we are about to publish our reviews as we are recording. So we have a lot more to say about them this week. We also have a Pixel 5a review that came out of nowhere. Or did it? we'll, we'll discuss.
1: And (laughs) Motorola has a new
0: flagship question mark. It's called the Motorola Edge 2021 because Motorola doesn't know how to name things. We'll dive into why Motorola is not following up the Edge Plus with an Edge 2 Plus. And then Samsung is removing ads from its apps. Can you say finally with me, the Pixel 6 may not charge, may not, uh, Ship with a charger, but it will charge faster if you buy one separately. Come on, Google. And there's some other tech news to get through. So joining me this week, Ara Wagner. Welcome back. How are you?
2: I'm good. I've been having a lot of fun with the Pixel 5a.
0: I know. I enjoyed your review thoroughly, and I can't wait to hear about your thoughts. Jerry Hildenbrand, welcome. How are you? I am great. How are you? I'm all right. I'm hanging in there. I'm having my coffee. We're Recording early in the morning, so I'm happy. And Nick Citrick, how are you? Excellent. You're recording all the way from New York City once again. Yep, I
3: sure am. For
0: uh, You're in a hotel room. That's right. Poor guy.
3: <laughs> Poor
0: guy. You're going to a, a Yankees game later. Yes, and i go on to a Yankees
3: game
1: later. Poor guy. I don't know the
3: last <laughs> time I went to a baseball game. It's been a long time.
2: Oh, come on, <laughs> yeah. Jerry. It could be worse. You could be a Mets fan.
1: Well, the Mets are way uh, better than
0: the Yankees. Don't we're you're going to get death threats now, Ara? <laughs> oh, they're going to send you. They're going to send you like a, a horse's head in the mail or something. Is that what Mets fans do? I don't know. I
3: think that's.
2: I expensive mean, I'm not a days. fan of any particular baseball team. The Mets are just None easy that. to pick on.
0: Well, we we do love to pick on the Mets here at uh, former the the company formerly known as Mobile Nations because our dear coworker Adam Zeiss is a. Diehard Mets fan, and uh, nobody else is. So yeah, it's fun. All right, let's get started. Um, Nick, we'll start with you. You are currently reviewing the Z Fold three. You have written the review. Give us your summary of this phone after a week.
3: All right. So, I, I guess in short, this is probably one of my favorite phones ever. I, I was already wanting this sort of form factor with, you know, the note capabilities anyway. But I think that alone sort of sells the package for me. And then, of course, you know, we have the waterproofing and water resistance, whatever. I should stop using that term. <laughs> Although maybe it's correct. I don't know. Um, just overall quality of life improvements from the Fold too, which, you know, were needed in many areas. Um, I, I don't know. I just I love using this thing, like having the giant screen when I need it. And then having the other screen, which, you know, despite how narrow it is, is not as awkward as I would have imagined when, you know, using it day to day. Yeah, it's it's just, it's fantastic. Um, and the other thing that really surprised me were the cameras, okay? So, you know, going into this, you have the Fold 2's cameras were, you know, not terrible, but not the best by any stretch of the imagination. And the fact that this is the same hardware, you know, everyone's, Basically, thinking, well, this is going to be kind of crappy. And I I have to say, Samsung software really has improved significantly. Like, there were several times where I was impressed with the quality overall, you know, especially low light. They do a really, really good job of low light stuff now. Um, And then there were other times where, uh, like, I was making tomato sauce, right, from my lovely garden. And my dad had a whole bunch of tomatoes too. And he's asking me for a tomato sauce recipe. So I took a picture of the one that I use in the book and it automatically prompts me to extract all the text from it and all that stuff. And it was just like, I don't have to think about these extra features, you know, whereas they have 40 million different scene types and all these different modes, you know, hidden under the more banner all the way to the right. It (laughs) automatically asks you to use them or will just automatically use them if you have that set, depending on the mode. And I think a lot of that stuff is what makes this phone uh, sort of effortless in many ways. And that that was the importance to me, is having this you know, different form factor, um, it being maybe a little awkward at first, and then you kind of get into using it. And just all of the things they put into it are very impressive. So
0: I will... Ask the question that I keep asking myself when I use the fold three. And that is and, and I also asked, you know, I, I share that opinion with the fold two. Input on this device is weird, right? So you're dealing with and I know this this may seem like a small thing, but you don't think about the number of times you respond to messages or send emails on your phone until the keyboard that you are using is underwhelming or lets you <laughs> right. down, and the over the last few years, Gboard has gotten so good on Android, and the Quick Type keyboard on iOS or uh, on um, iPhones has gotten so good that it's really just a, you don't really give it a second thought. You just type and it works, right? But to get a good experience typing on the Fold Three. You kind of have to use the Samsung keyboard.
3: Yeah, you really
0: do. And Samsung has set it up such that it's a split screen um, when the big when you're using the big screen, it's it kind of it's a thumb-friendly keyboard. And then on the smaller screen, it's just a narrow one that you use for gestures. However, I find that if you keep gestures enabled when you're typing on the big screen, it often mistakes your quick typing for a gesture and will mess up your keys. It will mess up the input. And then when you don't have gestures enabled, you can't really type efficiently on the inside keyboard, on, on the outside keyboard, the small one, because it's the keyboard's just too narrow. And it really pains me that after this long, Samsung has not invested in its software as much as it is in its hardware, because typing on the Fold3 even after a week, and I, even after using the Fold 2 for a few weeks to acclimatize, it's a nightmare, and I hate it, and I don't want to do it anymore. So maybe I'm alone in this, but how are you feeling about that?
3: I had an adjustment period where, you know, Samsung keyboard and keyboard operate differently, right? It's not quite as different as maybe Flexi or SwiftKey, um, but yes, the the prediction is not as good. There were several times where I would have to back up and I don't think it has that that quick backup gesture that Gboard does. At least I didn't see it in there and I haven't been using it, which again, that was an annoyance. But after a few days, I kind of got over it. Um, I, I don't really find that I have the same issues you do. Like I probably use the smaller screen 60% of the time. and And that includes responding to messages. Like I just... I don't feel like I have an issue with it. it. The prediction is good enough to where I can, and hunt and peck is the wrong term since I'm using my thumbs, but whatever, tap it out, I guess, versus gesturing. I don't. I hardly ever use swipe gestures on the small keyboard. Um, and I guess then I wouldn't use them on the, the inside keyboard either since it's split. But yeah, I, if I had the choice, I would most certainly pick Gboard. And, you know, I, for me, I'm going to put this more on Google because the fact that Google doesn't have a split keyboard for Gboard is insane to me. It's not that, but, but it doesn't, doesn't
0: like, need to, right? Because yeah. well, Google sure has never
3: because you have tablets, right? It's not like Android tablets don't exist. Yes, they're not the most mm, popular thing in the world. They don't
0: exist, <laughs> right? Like, I mean, I, I'm, I'm being facetious, but what, what I'm what I'm saying is that it's not if Samsung wants to be the if if Samsung wants to wants to be a full service provider right. of hardware and software experiences, which it does, and it wants to create its own version of Android, which it it does and has, and we'll talk about that with the watch four, then its keyboard can't be shit. Like period. It just cannot be bad. <laughs> and while it was a lot worse two or three years ago, it's certainly It was improved. a lot
3: worse. <laughs> it's still <laughs> it was unusable two or three bad. years ago.
0: And that's it's it's just frustrating. It's frustrating that Samsung does not There are elements of using the Fold 3 where it's evident Samsung did not change anything over the S-series. And then there are other areas where it spent a lot of time improving the experience, like multitasking. And it's clear that um, investment was made there. And it's just, it's vexing to me what gets preferential treatment and what doesn't. And the keyboard clearly has not received as much oversight as i think it should given the given the amount of time you spend typing on a phone
3: right but you know on the same note i also felt that way about samsung's camera software for years i mean this this is one of the first times i can recall where i can very obviously see multi-frame capture working in action like it it behaves a lot more like google camera does these days than it ever has aside from the modes or whatever, I'm just talking processing of the photos. And in, in that way, I also think the Samsung keyboard is similar. It's not obviously up to Gboard standards, but you know, again, for me, it's at the point now where I can actually use it and I feel like it's more of an adjustment for myself. Um, but yeah, they absolutely could improve it. And, you know, (laughs) I don't know. I mean, I, I have a couple of other little nitpicks with this, right? Like what you were saying with multitasking. Why in the world aren't most or all of those features enabled out of the box? Like that's that's one of the things I brought up in the the software section of the review is like, okay, they, they talk about where well, you can pin the taskbar and you can resize apps and you can do all this stuff. Well, you got to go into settings and then into, oh gosh, where even is it? Some subsection and then into labs. And then you got to check a bunch of boxes just to get those features. And this is like, these are major software features for this phone. Why aren't they enabled? <laughs> like, that's they're not enabled because
0: they're power user features that will probably be enabled by default next year, but they're experimental. I think that's the justification.
3: Yeah, I know. But I, I, this is one of those phones, okay, no normal person is going to go buy a Fold 3 at $1,800. It's not happening. So why would we then have these features that are not meant for power users when the phone is very obviously a power user phone like yeah maybe they'll go hunt for it because they are going into it wanting these features but it just i don't know it it feels kind of silly to me
1: mhm you're overthinking it probably it took it took samsung started working on android in 2009 and it took them to 2020 to get android decent give them no give them eight more <laughs> years and they'll think when did one ui eight. come out it was 20 2017 i think 2018
3: like yeah yeah i mean we're at 3.1 now so yeah
1: we'll give them nine years jerry not 11 yeah. Let's Be but kind. It's, i mean I, i'm i'm mostly joking but samsung isn't great at software they they never claimed they to have, be they, they have
3: historically not been yes that's correct right
1: their software is usable but it always seems to be lacking something and having too much of another thing. Uh, they could, they'll get it eventually. Mm. They're the biggest Android maker in the world. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're a big company and they make really good products, but the software is it, you know, eh. that's, that's the best way to describe it is. eh. And Mm -hmm. and
3: speaking of eh, that, I would say that about the battery life too. That was my other, it's not really a complaint because it's not necessarily bad. It's just, it's not good either. Right. Like I'd get to the end of the day and I'd be in the either single or lower double digits in battery life. And, you know, based on the size of this phone, it's not really something I would have expected. Although, you know, it's a hundred million hours smaller than the Fold two. So I guess I should have expected that.
0: Right. Let's talk about, um, I mean, the battery life is underwhelming for sure, but I don't think it's less... I don't think it's significantly worse than the Fold 2. And it's only... I mean, it's only... It's a 4,400 milliamp hour cell. So it's not exactly, you know, the same as like an ROG Phone 5 or something like that. I I don't think battery life was a huge priority here. But I want to hear about your thoughts with the S Pen because from... I mean, that's... It's sort of... (laughs) surrounds the review, right? The fact that this is the Note replacement for 2021. Right. And that you don't need the S Pen, but it's certainly useful. And that they built two S Pens, one S Pen, and then the Pro, which is available for this and other devices. Is it a good experience? Is it worth spending that 50 bucks on the S Pen for Fold? Like, what are your thoughts here?
3: If you are somebody who likes Galaxy Note phones, Yes, it absolutely is. I'm not sure if I would spend the extra 50 bucks for the pro. I mean, unless you really, really use, you know, like the remote shutter Bluetooth features. I, I mean, I guess there are a couple of other useful ones, but it, you know, when I used those, I didn't really find myself actually using them outside of, Oh, here's a little shot for the reviewers, right? Something like that. They, they weren't everyday usable features. Um, The experience on this one with using the S Pen is incredible. Uh, You know, the fact that the Fold 3 folds makes it feel like an actual notebook. The writing experience itself is as good or better than it ever was on a note. And a lot of that comes from the new screen protector. Um, Some of that comes from how well they put together the Wacom digitizers in here since there are actually two of them and not, you know, one folding one, you, you know, you can't tell that there's not one in the middle. I think we covered that last week. Um, You know, software wise, it's exactly what you would expect from a note. You know, you hover the pen over the screen, click it and you get your air commands. You can do all those quick little shortcuts. But, you know, despite all of that, I think the fact that it's not included with or even in the phone is a huge detractor from the experience. Because like right now, I think the S-Pen's in my bag here. I'm pretty sure I brought it. But, you know, the fact that I even have to think about that is problematic. That was kind of the whole point of the note, right? Is It's here. It's in the phone. You don't have to think about it. It's part of the experience. Whereas this is clearly, in addition to the experience, that, at least from a hardware standpoint, feels like it was made for it, except for where you, where you put the pen
1: as somebody who's bought three Pixel pens for my Pixel book, I feel you. You will lose it. There's just you no will way lose around it. it.
3: And you know they they have the the holster case right, which um, will help, and it it fits pretty snugly in there. So I, I don't think it's going to fall out of there. But you know, there's always the possibility that because it doesn't actually click in like it did in a note, it could fall out or it could get snagged in your pocket. You know, or if you rely on the little leather pouch thing that comes with each pen, you're probably just going to leave it on a table somewhere or forget it at home or You're you're going to lose the
1: leather pouch too. (laughs)
3: Right, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) Like the leather pouch is cute, but ultimately I'm like, what do do I do with this thing? Do I I put it in my pocket? It's just, it's, it's a little awkward.
0: Personally, I don't think as many people are going to buy the S Pen as Samsung thinks. No. But the fact that... The presentation, the implementation, the fact that there's a th- there is that silo that you can slide into the hinge area to keep it there snugly. I think that's all great, and mm-hmm. people who use the S Pen a lot will probably really enjoy this. I, I just I think it'll it'll have very limited application. But um, all right, so that's the Fold Three. You're giving it what a four and a half out of five? Yeah, four and a half. Four out of five. Okay, so I, I you're giving it a half. 9 out of 10, basically. Yeah. That, this is a seri- This is a significant upgrade um, in many ways over the Fold 2. In fact, I just want to speak. You talked about the cameras. I am amazed, actually, at some of the photos that I got out of this phone. I took my kid to the beach over the weekend. First of all, being able to, like, I didn't use it in the sand because I'm a little, I'm a little worried about <laughs> yeah, sand ingress. <laughs> but, but I did use it on the beach and I was careful and it did get a little wet at the splash pad and stuff. And that's cool that you can just use it and not worry about it getting wet anymore. Um, yes. But I took photos of my daughter and I was amazed at the results. They really are fantastic and much better than the fold too. And you and I are not the only people that are saying this. I've seen people on Twitter who are reviewing the phone speak to the fact that samsung has done something magical with the processing given that they're using the same sensors and there's some i think there's some talk that they're that they've improved the lenses on the on the phone right that they're not using the same glass
3: yeah i mean the lenses are definitely different if you look at them i mean physically they just look different they're a little bit larger um you know other than visually looking i have no idea how tell visually looking at them other than the size. But yeah, they look
1: like they're different. I'm just going to say the bigger the hole, the more the light gets through. Exactly. If they figured out what to do with all that light, it can make for a better picture.
3: Right. And I have a feeling, um, you know, sort of the goal of this release was to make it more affordable, um, raise margins for Samsung itself so that they can continue making more of these things without, you know, I, I don't know if they've lost money on this or not, probably not. But, you know, whatever. There's that. Um, a lot of it is just refinement. So if they improve the camera software, like I think both you and I can tell they did, they don't need to upgrade the hardware. And I think Google is proof of that. I mean, my gosh, they've been using the same sensor for five years. <laughs> Pixels. This software is yeah, that's, amazing at what what they can true. do with even, you know, the most garbage of hardware. I mean, I remember back in, like, the Nexus 5 days, when whenever you would stick Google Camera on literally any phone, it was an instant upgrade.
0: Right, but the inverse of that is that the Pixel 5, while it takes fantastic photos, they're not significantly better than those of the Pixel 2. Correct. And, you know, the Pixel 2 took incredible photos back in 2017 and was just so far ahead of the competition that it wasn't even close. Now you can't say that about the pixel 5 but the no. pixel 5 still takes objectively good photos so it's just it's an interesting balance there right that i you know i i don't i don't know if it's it's probably not worth diving into yet and we'll get to the pixel 5a in a second actually but i just want to talk a bit about the flip 3 so reviews are trickling out now for the fold 3 and flip 3 and the flip 3 i think has been sort of this I I, I guess it was the underdog in the fight, right? It did not... People didn't expect it to be as huge of an upgrade. But I do think, overall, people have been more impressed by the Flip 3 compared to the Flip 5G than the Fold 3 over the Fold 2. Gotcha. And, I mean, this is just anecdotal. But from what I've heard, the fact that they brought it down to a 1000 bucks, they improved a lot of things, and it just feels like a very... cohesive product. So what are your thoughts after using the Flip3 in a limited capacity?
3: I would agree with that. Um, I mean, you know, as far as foldables go, I think this is a more ideal form factor for most people. Um, You know, I think usability-wise, it's, I guess, going back to your keyboard statement, right? Like, you can pick your own keyboard effectively without having to worry about weird jankiness or whatever because you don't have those uh, dual full use screens right hardware wise it's really impressive like i've i've taken it around a few places and uh, you know i think as as you can attest people see it and they go what is that and they they, they want to know like they're interested in this hardware and like it's just it's gorgeous hardware it looks really it nice and i mean i think visually the hardware doesn't look all that different from the previous generation but it's still, it's such an impressive looking, you know, piece of technology. And I think for this particular phone, that new screen cover is just such a huge improvement because you are putting your fingers on it all the time, right? And I know um, one of my friends actually complained when he used it in like a T-Mobile store or whatever about the, the crease in the middle, how when you're, you know, scrolling through Instagram or whatever, you constantly feel that crease. And I think that's probably going to depend on the person's hands, like how long your thumb is. Because for the most part, you know, this thing is tall, okay, it's a very tall and narrow phone. It's uh, quite a bit taller than some other phones. So you know, in in a way, that's a bit more awkward. But it also means that your thumb is probably not going to reach that midpoint as often as it would a shorter phone. Camera-wise, I don't think it's as much of an improvement. I don't know. It, that's, that's that's kind of a tough one because, you know, this still doesn't have a telephoto lens. It's just a regular and an ultra-wide. And then it, it doesn't like, hmm, let's see. So, on the fold, you know, one of the cool things is that you can put it in flex mode. You can take pictures that way, although, you know, the inside camera is not great on the fold but you can put it the other way, I guess, and use, use those cameras. Um, And, you know, you could do that with this too, but it doesn't feel as optimal a form factor for that. Maybe I don't like using this in flex mode doesn't make as much sense. I would say as using the fold in flex mode. So, you know, that's a bit of a, not detractor, but it's not as much of a positive for this particular form factor as it is for the fold.
0: No, I I agree. But I also think there's a simplicity to using the flip three that or the flip form factor in general that just isn't there on the fold. Sure. So it's easier to attract people from the get-go, being like, Oh my God, that's so cool. That's a flip phone for twenty twenty one. Um, you know, the I I just think there there's less buy-in, right? You you have to kind of the fold three looks or the fold form factor in general just looks like a tablet. And some people are like, why do you need that? The flip is like, oh my Perfect. God, this is a regular phone that folds in half and gets really small and you can put it in your pocket and oh my God, I want one, right? Yeah, yeah. That's the initial response that people have when they see a flip.
3: Sure. So, and, and I know with the fold, at least for the first, I would say three or four days, I had to put some real thought into you know, which which way do I want to use this app? Do I want to use it on the small screen or do I want to open it up? Because, you know, it, it, there's a bit of a pain point there. It, it sounds stupid, but, you know, I guess like you were saying with the keyboard and all that, the, the the aspect ratio is different. It's just a little awkward moving between those screens. Whereas, yeah, this is, you just open it. <laughs> you don't think about it. Right. And it For just sure. works like you would expect it to versus, you know, the fold, like I said, just requires a bit more thought, especially initially until you, sort of get into a rhythm of what screen you like to use what app on
1: yeah no totally agree i have a dumb question about the flip i know Do these it. were just cgi video render things when they samsung showed it on on stage you know the the big video the outside screen when you flip it open is it upside down
3: uh it's not it's not on it it turns off as soon oh, okay. as you open it, it turns off. Yeah.
1: Okay. Because that would drive me crazy, and I haven't <laughs> yet to see one. And in <laughs> their video, uh, in their video, when they opened it up, there was a point where you could see the back, and it had the display still on, and it was upside down. Oh,
3: yeah, that, that seems like a render issue. Yeah, if, if you have it open and you tap on the screen, it doesn't even turn on then. Whereas if you close it okay. and then double tap on the little screen, it turns on.
1: Okay, I feel better now.
2: <laughs> we talked about the improvements for the inner screen. Also just improving that cover display to where you can actually read things now is such a huge upgrade for the flip.
3: Yeah, that's true. I'm not now I haven't used it daily, so I could can't really say that.
2: Because I mean the one last the one on the 5G and the regular flip was just trash.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I, I was um when, when we were here last week and uh Michael Fisher was using his like you know, the previous model, not the new one. It was kind of funny watching him like move on this teeny little screen, like looking at stuff, <laughs> just watching the ticker go on it. I'm like, yeah, that, I, I can definitely see if you're using that daily, how that would just get annoying. You just wouldn't want to deal with that. It'd pretty much be like, you know, the people that have their uh, LED flash go off when a, a message comes through or something. It, it would be more like that where you just see this thing and you're like, all right, well, right, I'm just going to open it. I'm not going to try to read that. How many many phones still have an
2: LED flash on the front?
3: Right, there's
0: that too. Uh, Not many, yeah. Although the smartphone for Snapdragon Insiders has an LED notification light, which is a first since like the Priv. Yeah. So that's a thing. All right, so let's move on. I'm going to talk a bit about the Watch 4. So I'm reviewing that right now. I've been reading some other reviews on this, and I I think the, and and then the like the public sentiment around Wear OS three was this needs to change everything. It needs to be a complete redesign and an overhaul of Wear OS. It needs to everything needs to be done differently. And when you look at the Watch Four, I really don't think it's indicative of what Wear OS three is in the sense that Google has built updates into Wear OS that will eventually roll out to Mobvoi and fossil watches and potentially even a pixel watch um maybe but the samsung the watch experience that you get on the on the galaxy watch 4 and 4 classic are not that it's very much tizen inspired the notifications are in the same place um the keys like the the side buttons are hard coded for samsung services so the bottom button, for instance, you can you can't reprogram it to open Google Pay. It has to be Samsung Pay. Um, it's tied into a lot of Samsung services, which is fine. I'm actually using the Watch Four right now with a Pixel Five to test out how you know what the experience is like on a non-Samsung phone, and for the most part, it's great. Like I think people complaining that you have to download plugins and whatever you know it's not a big deal once it's set up it's set up you don't have to care about it but there are things you have to keep in mind right if you're not a samsung user in some way you're going to get less benefit out of using these watches you're you know the the OS may use the shared health services API that google and samsung built that'll eventually be available for fitbit and every other app but this is a Samsung health-focused wearable. Um, for instance, that's the default. But not just that. Even if you change it away from Samsung Health, it's still going to. It's still going. You're still going to have the best experience, the most comprehensive um, health tracking experience using Samsung services. For instance, the BIA sensor, the ECG, uh, the heart rate. That all ties into Samsung Health. You cannot disconnect them and import that data into Strava or Google Fit or something. Um, Google Fit works, and you can track basic health metrics on the phone or on on the watch, but you can't make it into a default. So I understand why people are saying that it's mainly for Samsung users, and that's fine. But I think it's just a really good smartwatch overall. I like the notifications on this. I've been getting very good battery life. Um, For instance, I wore it all day yesterday. So this is the watch for 44 mil. So the larger one I wore it all day yesterday. I did a workout in it. Um, I had always on display and then I went to sleep and it tracked my sleep. And then I woke up this morning and I had 18% battery left. So, you're not going to get away with using it for two full days, but you can easily do the thing where you charge it in the morning for half an hour or 45 minutes to get it back up to 100%, and then wear it all day, do your regular life stuff, go to sleep, and then do the process all over again. And I think that's fine. It's not a two- or three-day watch.
2: A I think a lot of people there. were
0: wondering. Yeah.
2: Did you have always-on t- uh did you have always on turned on, and did you have tilt awake on?
0: So I had both. Yes, I had okay. always on turned on, and I had tilt awake and touch to wake enabled. Um, the only thing I didn't have was you can change the, and I don't know how much this would impact the battery life, but I I, I changed the. So the, sorry, the default setting for heart rate is to measure every ten minutes unless you're working out. Um, I did not change that to measure continuously because I I didn't need that. But there are some things that you can tweak. And what I, what I find really interesting is something Nick brought up in the Fold3 um, section is that a lot of features are disabled by default. So for example, sleep, uh, during sleep, it, it recommends that you, that you enable um, SpO2 measurement. So it'll intermittently use the sensor to measure your blood saturation. But that's not enabled by default. You do have to turn it on explicitly. And there's a whole bunch of things like that. Some of them are permission specific that Wear OS requires you to allow the permissions. But a lot of it is not. A lot of it's just like you have to go and dig dig into menus and discover these settings. But overall, this is a very strong entry into the smartwatch game. And I really do think that it's going to be the best Android smartwatch, regardless of whether you're a Samsung user. You're, you benefit from being a Samsung user, and most people will probably be one, but I think in general, these are fantastic.
2: Um, I also want to make one quick clarification for back for the stuff that can and cannot use Android or uh, can, and, uh, can and won't use uh, Samsung Health. Heart rate will work with everything. It's the blood pressure monitoring that won't because heart well, rate is kind heart, of an important one. Yeah. he said heart rate is, in there, and I was like, wait, 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 <laughs>
0: No, no, what, what I what I meant by that, and let me clarify. So, heart rate is a metric that is available, and I believe ECG can be made available through the Health Services API. I don't know about BIA, but I, I I'm assuming that all of these all of these data points are available to apps that want them, as long as they're sandboxed and 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 you know adhere to the the privacy and security, um, you know, statutes that Google lays out.
2: We need apps to be built to actually take advantage of those APIs, though. And right now, Samsung is the only one that has that out because the Google Fit app doesn't seem finished for Wear OS 3 yet, does it?
0: No, but also we're looking at new versions of Strava and MyFitnessPal coming out later in the year that are being explicitly redesigned for Wear OS 3. They're including tile support. So we're not really seeing a ton of Wear OS 3 optimized apps on the watch, except for those running or made by Google and Samsung, which is fine. But it's just an early experience right yes. now. So it's hard to tell what Wear OS 3 on another watch six months from now with updated apps is going to look like.
3: Right. And and I feel like it's, like you said before, It's it's important to note that This is primarily a Samsung watch. It may become more of a googly watch in the future. Like, you know, maybe they'll open up some of those things. But for now, the first Wear OS 3 release is primarily a Samsung experience.
0: Yes. The other thing I want to point out is that in the settings, you can change your virtual assistant, but Google Assistant is not supported yet. So that will happen later. You can also... Update your home launcher, which is weird. Oh, but that's eventually insane. you'll be able to download third-party launchers for your watch and change it from where from, from one UI watch, which is bizarre to me. But Nova Launcher may launch a, a version for your smartwatch.
2: <laughs> there's a couple of watch launchers out there already, just because people didn't really like the list format on the Wear OS. Well, Wear OS two watches. So it'll right. it'll be fun, fun to see if we can get any here. better ones of those.
0: Like the 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 list format is not an option here. You you have to use the app icon cloud.
3: Yeah, I think the list format is supposed to be available at some point, but that's probably a, another one of those down the road updates we're working on it. Like you'll get Google Assistant type of thing.
2: Can you at least change the size of the app icons on the watch? Because I I could understand people with large fingers being able like, oh, I want to tra- tap that app, but it triggers the app next to it instead. Especially no, you can't. Aw. You can
3: always use
0: the the bezel, yeah, yeah. You can use the bezel, and and that's something I also want to bring up is that I've been using the watch four with the capacitive bezel, and it's super clunky. I do yeah, not I like, like it. No, I, I think it's an, a far inferior experience using the physical rotating bezel. And I will say that if you can justify upgrading to the watch four classic, I would. Like, I know it's an extra hundred bucks, but you do get. Stainless steel, which may not be an important upgrade for you, but it is more scratch-resistant. And you get this rotating bezel, which I think is worth the upgrade alone. So think about it. But if you are considering the watches, try to like trade in an old phone. You'll get 100 bucks. That's the difference. And upgrade to the 4 Classic. You also get a better band, if that matters.
2: I have one more dumb question, and I don't know if I if any of y'all have tried this yet. Um, Tizen watches allowed you to back up all of your settings so it was easier to reinitialize them on whenever you changed phones. Does the Watch 4 have that?
0: Yes. In fact, Thank I did you, it last God. night, and it backed up to the w- Galaxy wearable app on my Pixel. So it's, it's done through the APK. Um, yeah. The APK enables the Samsung Cloud backup. So yes. Good. It's it's super seamless.
2: That was that was one of the biggest pain points of Wear OS for me as somebody who changed phones like every four or five months is oh God, I gotta change yes. I gotta reset oh everything gosh, again.
3: Yes. That was terrible.
0: I also do wanna my last point is that the the watch faces are massively improved over previous Samsung watches. Yay. Like you get access to Facer and all the other third-party watch faces that you'd like, but the ones built into the watch are so much nicer than anything that shipped on a previous Samsung watch. I'm okay with the stock watch faces, and I that's, haven't been previously on Samsung nice watches. So, I mean, this is also coming from like a somebody who's worn all the Fossil watches, which have the worst. First party watch faces like hey, they're now. all ugly. No, they're they're all uniformly bad.
2: <laughs> no, the, the one with the dogs is cute.
0: On on what?
2: The general 5
0: oh, I 5e. Ha- I don't I don't have a Gen 5e. I just have a I have a Falster 3 and there's like two watch faces that I would be OK wearing on a regular basis. Oh,
2: and I think they've improved that since the Falster 3, though, because uh, there were like five or six really good watch faces on the Gen 5e when I reviewed it earlier this year. It's a shame that it's not going to get Wear OS.
0: I just want simple. I just want minimal and simple. And that does not seem to be a theme that Fossil agrees with.
2: Oh, yeah. So. No, that that makes sense. How's the complication uh, variety so far? Like how many options do you have for adding things to a watch face right now for most of the stock uh, watch faces?
0: So I'm using one that is that has four complications and they're very customizable. So I'm looking at... Steps, battery, um, UV, you get uh, like calendar, media controls, messages, phone, recent apps, reminder, you have all of your Samsung health options. You have quick exercise access, ECG, you have weather.
2: Uh, Do you still have non now playing and do you have the option to add in app shortcut?
0: Uh, Yes, you can add app shortcuts. Okay. There's a lot of complications here, actually. Yeah, very cool. All right, so that's the Watch 4. Highly recommend it, even if you're not a Samsung user. Uh, Let's take a quick break, and we will come back and talk about the Pixel 5a, and then get to the rest of the news. There's never been a better time to become a programmer. And with Codecademy, you can learn to code on your own terms. Whether you're starting from scratch or looking to advance, Codecademy can help you reach your coding goals. Learning to code might be the easiest way to change your career, especially when you learn with Codecademy. Simply put, Codecademy is the best way to learn to code online. They not only teach you job ready coding skills, but also help you build unique projects for your portfolio, earn certificates, and even prep for technical interviews. I've actually been using Codecademy to brush up on my HTML and CSS skills, and I'm even dabbling in a little of JavaScript. You know what? It's not as hard as I thought because Codecademy makes it super easy. Here's why you should find your time to use Codecademy. You can get qualified for in demand jobs in as little as two months. You can learn at your own pace and your own level. And you can choose what to learn from building websites to analyzing data and everything else. Learning coding languages, including Python, HTML, CSS, SQL, JavaScript, and more. And if you're not sure where to begin, Codecademy will put you in the right direction. You can get instant feedback because your code is tested as soon as you submit it. So you always know that you're on the right track and Codecademy's interactive platform helps you learn by doing. You can then build a portfolio and get a certificate of completion to make sure that you are more marketable to future employees and you can test your knowledge with tailor-made quizzes just for you. So be part of Codecademy's community of over 50 million people and land your dream job in web development, programming, computer science, data science and tons more. Get 15% off your Codecademy Pro membership when you go to codecademy.com and use promo code android. That's promo code android at codecademy to get 15% off Codecademy Pro. The best way to learn to code. C O D E C A D E M Y.com promo code android. All right, Ara, you reviewed the Pixel 5a. Um, Google did the thing where it didn't announce it until the review embargo lifted. So everybody's review went live at the same time. You gave it a four and a half out of five. You said that it is a very good upgrade, although it's an iterative upgrade over the Pixel 4a 5G. Give us your TLDR.
2: The Pixel 5a is a classic example. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. So they took the things that people didn't like about the Pixel 4a 5G. They didn't like that it was $100 more for the uh, millimeter wave version. They didn't like that it didn't have water resistance or wireless charging. We still don't get wireless charging, but they gave a significant boost to the battery and they gave us water resistance, which takes away two of the three reasons that you would have gone with a Pixel 5 instead of a Pixel 4a 5G. And I mean, battery on this thing has been amazing. I'm averaging over seven hours of screen on time during a charge. Like even if I just go down to like 30%, I'll usually get over seven hours. Uh, The time that I went down to 5%, I got 11 hours of screen on time, which is insane. So this is a phone that will definitely last you a full day. It can, if you're a regular user, if it's just a thing of, okay, I'm mostly like working or doing stuff and I look at my phone like maybe every couple of hours, you'll be able to use this phone for two days, no sweat. So I'm that's I'm wild. very happy with that. And part of that is a lot of people are expecting a 90-hertz screen here. I'm perfectly fine with us getting a 60-hertz screen because I. this is going to sound sacrilegious. Ugh. I still can't really tell outside of, like, scrolling through Reddit, scrolling through Twitter, and maybe some gaming. And that's not enough to justify the power drain that a 90-hertz or 120-hertz screen would produce.
3: Mm. this this reminds me a lot of mm. on the gaming side when people were like oh you can't tell the difference past 60 frames a second and i, I think that probably depends Some on people the person can. right that's what i mean like that that was an argument for a long time when you know high frame rate gaming started becoming a thing people would have just argued this is not worth it because you can't see it
2: i mean the m- majority of the time you can't
1: <laughs> uh don't don't go there you you will get eight mail um, yeah, I, I I'll think send you depends. hate mail. Yeah. <laughs> go, Jerry. It's <laughs> a, having seen it, having actually seen you know just 90 hertz. Uh, I I I won't ever go back to a phone that is 60 hertz because I am a person that can see it, and it bothers me now that I know it doesn't have to be that way. If no phones had high refresh rate screens, I probably wouldn't care, but Most of them do now. So,
2: yeah, but most of those are way more expensive than this phone. Like, the number of 120 hertz phones that are below $500, I can only think of one off the top of my head, and that's the A52 5G, which you wouldn't want to use anyway because it's a Samsung.
0: No, no, no. The OnePlus, both of the OnePlus Nord N series phones are 90 hertz.
2: But neither of those are here in America. And that's where the Pixel 5A is They're both here in
0: America. The N. The N10 5G and the N200 5G. Oh, I thought you meant the actual the Nord and Nord 2. No, and look, I I mean, I disagree personally. I think that 90 hertz, I would take 90 hertz over waterproofing if that was an option between, you know, if, if Google wanted to maintain that $500 price 450 50 price point and upgrade only a couple of things over the previous version, I would have taken a 90 hertz panel over IP67. And I, I think that ultimately this was the wrong move a couple of months before it releases the Pixel 6s, which are going to be extremely expensive and be decked out in every spec known to man. But I think Google missed an opportunity here, especially because the Pixel 5 with a 90 hertz display or the Pixel 4s and 5 with a 90 hertz display are just so good. They are, it just. It's a completely different feeling, in my opinion.
3: Yeah. And I would agree because I'm, I guess, like Jerry and, and I can see the difference and it's painful going back now beyond 90. I'm not sure how much of a difference there is, but 60 to 90 is massive.
1: Yeah. I'm with you there. I, I looked at a phone from a red magic and I think it had 220 Hertz. Right. And I, I didn't see any difference there between 120. I, you know, I, I'll, I'll say there's, I can see a difference between 90 and 120 sometimes, Sometimes. not very often. But uh, there is a a very clear point of, you know, diminished returns here. For sure. 60 ain't it. That's that's what I can say for sure.
2: (laughs) I also kind of feel here that the people who care about 90 hertz and 120 hertz probably aren't buying a $450 phone. Like, this is a phone that's aimed to a very different portion of the market than like say the pixel five and the pixel six will be
1: well that and, and you said about the price it's i mean i i can't say that i wouldn't be tempted to go back to a 60 hertz screen to save 500 bucks exactly i mean i don't have to so right now my answer is no but if if tomorrow i had to go out and buy a phone I would really consider buying the 5A and saving $500 and every once in a while complaining about the screen.
0: I agree with you, R, that most people are not buying a phone specifically for that spec, but it's it's one of those things where once you have it, you don't want to go back. And this is Google. This is the company that prides itself on building Android at its smoothest, at its most effortless. And the one quick way to really upgrade somebody's experience using android is by going high refresh rate and as you can as we've seen from the pixel 5 it has a smaller battery than the pixel 5a and 90 hertz does not impact its its uptime by much like this is a two-day phone for me most days i go to bed with like 40 percent left so Anyway, I, I I totally understand why because largely this was just a minor upgrade over the four A five G. They were trying to, I think, unwind some of the weird naming conventions yeah, of I think last so, year's phones. Yeah, thank you. Of the fact that they had a 4A and 4A5G and a five on sale at the same time. I, I I think this also the fact that this is being sold only in two markets.
3: Yeah, and I, I'm still weird about them using the previous number. Like Mm-hmm. why did we just get a five a when the six comes out in like two months or you know whenever it's going to come out it just it feels bizarre to me because you're going in and you're like why why does this one a totally lower number and very obviously feels like last year's phone you're looking at the numbers you know i don't know just i don't like that part i wish they would fix that like it should have been the six a and it should have been released with the six but neither here nor there i guess
2: but then you'd have the 6A, which looks massively different than the 6 and 6 Pro.
3: And but you'd be wondering, why does this phone <laughs> have
2: the old cameras and the old design, and then these two have the new cameras and the new design?
3: Yeah, but so. the next year we're going to get a 6A, and the 7's going to come out, and it's going to be weird again. So I'm like, I, don't, I just don't like the the dichotomy the there. It's, it's strange.
2: I just wanted to move the release date. Especially since the 5A launched in limited markets, can we please go back to having an A series either in May at I.O. or in April? Because that makes sense.
1: Yeah, we wouldn't be having this conversation at all had this yeah. phone released in April. Yeah,
2: yeah, no, exactly. I, I I get that they had to that they pushed the phone because they didn't have IO last year. I don't get doing it in August again. Other than okay, this is your last hurrah for a normally priced pixel for an affordably priced pixel before we go super premium with the six and six Pro. <laughs> but <laughs> at the same time. Since this is going to be such a limited release and the 4A 5G is going to be the phone that's still on sale in the vast majority of markets, this feels like, a OK, we're going to we're still going to make a 5A. We're going to only do it here and here because that's where we can sell phones and get by with what we have chip wise. And then this could, but because it's only releasing in two places, we could have this be that shorter release window and then get the 6A backwards supposed to be in the first half of the year.
0: That might be what they're doing. You're right.
2: Because that would justify a limited release, and yeah, then not sense. trying to break the mold here.
3: Yeah, because they probably already had this phone sitting there.
0: Definitely, yeah. I mean, the the Pixel Three A, we uncovered evidence to show that the Three A was supposed to be released far earlier in the year yep. than May, mm-hmm. right? And that it got delayed until um, I May know. twenty tw- May, May twenty nineteen for obvious reasons. I think. I forget what those reasons are, but we <laughs> they wanted we remember, something to launch we, we at IO.
2: That's the reason. No, it wasn't
0: supposed to launch at IO. It was sitting there waiting for man. I now you're gonna have to you're gonna make me drudge up these old posts that Andrew wrote. <laughs> anyway, um, but I it was delayed. Anyway, Google's A series has always been weird, but ultimately, if you're in a market where this phone is sold, it's good value. It's probably the best mid range phone you can buy. The camera, talk about the camera, Ara, because that's really the show. I mean, it's not different from the 4A 5G, but this is still the best camera in this price in its price range.
2: Well, the thing here is not just, oh, it's exactly like the Pixel 4A 5G. It's exactly like the Pixel 5. So you can get a $700 worthy camera experience on a $450 phone, which is the real coup de grace for the a Like, that's the whole reason that this exists. You can get Google software and Google's computational photography for way less. And that's another thing that really helps justify having this phone exist, even if it doesn't have the more premium, even if it doesn't have wireless charging, even if it doesn't have 90 hertz. It has the camera experience that people are going to notice and that people are going to use, and it has battery that people are going to notice and people are going to appreciate. So the cameras, nothing in the cameras breaks the mold. This is going to be the last, well, let me rephrase. I'm pretty sure this is the last Pixel that is going to use the this generation of camera module because it's basically the same cameras that we've had for the last five years so this was the last one with this uh chip uh, with these cameras so it was a known quantity but that known quantity is still great for that price point
0: yeah that's true all right well that is the pixel 5a so the next product we want to talk about is this new motorola edge that's why nick you're in new york it's the 2021 version they're not refreshing the plus model because reasons they didn't really say um it's basically a redesigned motorola edge 20 which was released outside of north america earlier in the year um by the time you hear this the announcement is going to have happened Nick, tell us a little bit about this phone, why Motorola says it exists, and, and basically what they're trying to achieve by releasing this in North America.
3: So this is sort of the, it's not quite as much of a mid-ranger as like Pixel 5a would be, right? Um, but it sits somewhere in between a phone like that and a phone like a Galaxy S21, I would say, at least at, at the launch price, because it's going on sale. On September second, for five hundred bucks in the U.S. and
0: although to, we have to clarify, the MSRP on this is seven hundred.
3: Correct, but it's yeah. going to be
0: on sale for five hundred for a limited time.
3: Yeah, I don't remember how long they said it's going to be, but at the very least, at launch, you can get it for five hundred bucks, and for that, you're going to be getting a hundred and forty-four hertz screen, <laughs> which you know that's mm. that's a pretty significant bump up from a the sixty hertz one. Um, they they spent quite a bit of time talking about their cameras which you know i don't think motorola has ever been known for more than half decent cameras in any phone no matter what so seeing them talk about effectively computational photography was interesting and it kind of makes me wonder you know where they're getting that from if that was in-house developed stuff if this is stuff they've i don't want to say borrowed from somebody else but you know maybe licensed or whatever because it's it's certainly not typical for their software to to sound this intelligent, so it, I'm very curious to see how it turns out. Um, and and I think a lot like what Samsung did with the fold and the flip, it, it could be a significant upgrade from their previous stuff. It's uh, it's got a Snapdragon 778G, which is a really good chipset, honestly. Yeah. Um, I mean, all of these 700 series are surprisingly good, despite you know maybe what the number might make you think. I, I hate the, the the mental thing that comes with. Oh no, it's a hundred numbers down from whatever I'm getting <laughs> on you know the phone. That's twice the price. Like it, it. it I don't know. It's stupid, but it's a great processor. Um, another thing I thought was interesting was it's a flat panel, and at least for me,
1: an LCD panel,
3: right. At least for me, the, the Edge name was like, okay, well, this has an Edge display, so that's kind of why I thought it was called Edge, but I <laughs> <laughs> guess not. I don't know.
1: <laughs> it's just a name now. It means nothing.
3: It, it means nothing. I mean, that it, yeah. It, it's also got a 5,000 milliamp hour battery, which uh, that should be pretty darn good, especially for 144 hertz. Um, like, it should be able to handle that without, you know, you seeing terrible battery life come from it. 30 watt fast charging, which is faster than what Samsung offers. Um, It's got Wi-Fi 6E, which I thought was cool. I mean, I guess, you know, again, you should expect this, like you should expect 5G in a new phone, but seeing Wi-Fi 6E is nice to me because it's still not super common. Um, And then you've got IP52. So it's not waterproof. (laughs) Again, I hate to use that term, but you know, this is more like if you're in the rain, it's not going to die. I wouldn't take it in a pool because it will die. I mean,
0: it's the bare minimum
3: in yeah, my opinion. It, for it is definitely the bare minimum. And that's, I guess, you know, like you were saying with the pixel, they probably should have done that with a higher refresh rate screen. But this, this basically seems to be, um, you know, hardware wise, what you probably wanted from something like that. And, and, you know, a little, little bit of an upgrade because it's got 108 megapixel camera sensor, you know, and, and, there's some little things like that that make this definitely a higher tier phone. But I thought that $200 price discount initially was fascinating because it really puts it in a completely different ballpark than yes. the $700 one. I mean, that's this is insane for a $500 phone. Like, those are crazy specs. Yeah, I, I will, I will be talk seeing about the LCD again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. I I am I am an LCD hater. So, yes. Oh, see, um, I love
1: them because I do a lot of reading on my phone. I read a lot of ebooks, so I love an, a a good crisp LCD display. And if this can offer that, I'm going to be dead honest, for 500 bucks, uh this is probably a phone I would buy. I don't know about 700.
3: Yeah, and that's it. Like for 500, this is killer. Like this would be an easy recommendation for 500 bucks because really, I mean, Motorola software is fine. It's not, it's,
1: it's not offensive. It's good that it's fine because it never gets updated, but like you said, it's fine.
3: <laughs> okay. Now they did say that they are promising quarterly updates. I think for two years, Daniel, I, I have to pull up my note, but I believe that's what they yeah. said. And then two major OS updates. So it's launching with 11, which means it'll get Android 12 and Android 13. Uh, you know who knows how long it'll take that but. which is
0: n- new for for Motorola right Motorola yeah. has not really been i mean it've been consistent in their lack of effort in <laughs> in upgrading <laughs> right. their old phones and i think this is a Motorola that's realizing the the people that buy their phones may not care but there's a lo- there's a loud contingent of fans that just cannot Swallow a like one platform update. It's the same people that derided OnePlus for the same thing when it said uh, that N two hundred five G would only get one platform update, and it's it's not great. It's it's just not a good user experience, and I think two years is not enough. But it's better, and and I think Motorola is kind of digging itself out of its hole by promising two years, and then it was it two years of security updates too, or longer.
3: Let me pull up my notes. Hold on, I, I I will take a look. But while I'm doing, I that... think it was
0: I think it was three three years of security patches and two years of platform updates. But
1: anyway, I mean, for five hundred bucks, the the right answer is however many it needs. Not not tell me, okay, I'll give you updates for three years. Three years and two months down. What if there's some crazy vulnerability that makes every phone dangerous to use? Unless you want people in some foreign country to have all your social security number and bank account
0: well, uh, well way. just be a
1: t-mobile customer yeah oh, i mean oh, that, that, oh, oh. what do you do throw oh. your phone away or do you say motorola you should extend that three years to include an extra few months and patch this the, the answer should be whatever it needs
3: so without getting too far down the rabbit hole there and you could probably answer this jerry would google play services not provide some of those fixes
1: some uh, google play services wasn't designed to do all it's doing so it can't do everything it's google trying to make up for the motorolas of the world that you know up until this phone they just didn't care i think daniel said it best they uh were weren't known to provide a lot they were known to not care (laughs)
3: And and this, this is a lot like like I just reviewed the TCL 20, I don't know, two months ago. It might have been three now. I don't remember. I think it was two. Um, and that was kind of the same thing where they were like, hey, we're going to yeah. give you two major updates. We're going to give you quarterly security patches. I think they were three years. I didn't, I, I didn't write down what Motorola said, so I'd have to pull up the documents, but whatever. Um, we'll assume two years, maybe three if they're being really nice. <laughs> and I think that's maybe that's a good trend that's happening among these you know more more budget-minded phone makers is they're finally saying all right we will give you this additional stuff because it really does matter it's not just a bullet point you know on a spec sheet it is actually an important thing that needs to be done
0: right but I I do think you know what you bring up is is a good point it's Motorola always in its briefing says you know in in addition to our commitment to security and platform updates we will upgrade our experiences through Google Play as we always have and right. they do put a lot of their apps on Google Play and they also you know they they do fall back on what what you said about Google Play services i mean stage fright is the reason Google Play services is able to push the kinds of security patches that it it can today right i think everybody realized that the android ecosystem was not set up to deal with something as widespread as stage fright back in 2015 right and it brought a lot of phones out of retirement to get patched and it was a nightmare because OEMs had already kind of put that code base um in a in a drawer and just you know forgotten about it and there was like oh right we have 5 years of phones that we need to update within 3 weeks how are we going to do that and that scramble is is exactly why google started using google play services to push out these kinds of patches if necessary But I don't know if it'll come to that anymore. I think we're in a much better place in 2021 from an Android vulnerability and security patch perspective than we were in 2015. But Jerry, you're absolutely right. Like A phone should get security updates for as long as it needs, but that's in an ideal world where OEMs care about existing customers and not just acquiring new ones. Right. All right, so that's the Motorola Edge. It's coming in September, 500 bucks initially. Let us know what you think about it because I really liked the Edge and Edge Plus last year. I thought they were kind of dark horses of, of the of, of, of the year in terms of phone releases. They were great. I, I really liked the
1: experience. Uh, but yeah, let's, uh, let, let's, let's talk about it. Before we move completely away, let's talk mm-hmm. about those three checkers glued to the back of the phone. <laughs> the, kids. the cameras yes it looks like checkers tiny little checkers super glued to the phone what the hell Motorola I mean that's exactly what the edge looked like
3: yeah it looked like saucers they've
1: seen so many better ways to do it
3: but the fold is the same way like you know the, the fold has this I, and I hate these camera hubs too. the ones like that because you know you put it on a table and the stupid thing rocks so much yeah,
0: I don't know. It it just it doesn't bother me anymore. Maybe I've seen Yeah, I guess I if you, the if Galaxy s twenty one Ultra on it, like, just whatever. That thing's a a monster camera module. I I don't think it phases me seeing that's, stuff like that's this. That's fair. All right. So, all right. Let's talk about Samsung fixing one of its biggest problems about One UI. They're finally getting rid of ads in its apps. What happened to spur this decision, do you think?
2: I I think they finally got the note. I think they finally realized that oh, this is costing us phone sales, and this is also just a bad mark. Whenever people uh, bitch about this on social media, I mean, you're paying a thousand dollars for a phone, and then you stick ads in the notification pane, which has been banned for years for a reason, and then you have them in all of your core apps, like checking the weather. Oh, there's an app checking anything else. Yeah. Check your stocks. Oh, there's an app. Come on, guys. Like, really? This was something that needed to happen five years ago. I am stunned that it took this long, and I'm happy that they're finally going to be fixing it, even though we don't know how long it's going to take for them to do this.
3: Yeah, an announcement to action might be a significant amount of time.
2: (laughs) Yes.
0: and So our co-workers, uh, Harish and Shruti, published uh, a pretty long investigative piece into Samsung's market share and how it is losing market share in some key um key regions and I don't know if this decision was spurred by that but it does seem like I mean I don't I don't get ads here in Canada so it's not I don't know where the ads are in the world whether they're in Europe or in Asia as well but in in North America Samsung's market share is not going up um it it's basically it is still the biggest OEM but it's being challenged mainly by uh, Apple, rather than other Android makers, and I think that complacency was the reason that it tried to get away with ads in its phones for so long. But in China, in parts of in other parts of Asia, Samsung's market share is being demolished, basically, by Vivo, Oppo, Xiaomi, uh, Huawei in China specifically. In India, Samsung's market share has dropped eight percent over year over year from Q one Q 2020 to Q. To 2021, um, Vivo and uh, ZTE, uh, other OEMs are or not ZTE. Sorry, Vivo, Xiaomi, Oppo, and Realme are really the beneficiaries of this. Realme being the independent, now independent offshoot of Oppo, and it just speaks to the fact that Samsung has been a little complacent uh, in, in its in its dominance in parts of the world. So that could be a reason. But I do think this decision is well-timed given the release of its new phones.
1: I was, uh, I'm i writing some more thoughts about this. And yesterday I wanted to talk to some experts. And uh, I talked to, a uh, am pretty sure it was Anshul Sag, yeah, from More Insights. And he brought up a really, really interesting point that I never thought of maybe samsung's anticipating regulations in the united states that are gonna you know cut down on how user data is shared and ads would be a big part of that i i I don't see that being an issue i'd love to have that kind of
2: optimism about that
0: i i don't know if samsung's worried about regulation the same way that google and apple would be because samsung's Samsung is such a nothing player in the software or ad space, right? It, yeah. It barely competes with Apple, Google, Facebook, and, and and Amazon. Where Apple sees its you know, regulatory encroachment is in things like they're not letting competitors advertise in the app store and then putting its own apps at, at the front of your search results.
1: That's not great. I'm glad you brought up Apple because... I I and and when I first heard this I I dug out my iPhone and looked. There are ads in stocks and in the news app and if you go to the settings there's ads uh and nobody cared. I just wonder what the difference is. Oh, people here, care. People oh, I, care. I you know I I I don't follow Apple on the internet as much so maybe it just seemed to me like people didn't care but you know it's not like I I don't hear every major publication screaming for Apple to stop the ads. Like uh, when the Verge just, when they uh, reviewed, I think it was the S 21, they actually deducted points and and said, this is a factor that you should not buy the phone because they put ads in the weather app. I agree. I'm not saying they're wrong. If I spend $1,200 on an S 21 ultra Samsung should not be showing me ads for anything that software should be pristine and beautiful. But I didn't see them screaming to not buy the iPhone 12 because there was ads in it. And I just wonder what the difference is. Is it that the users aren't as vocal or I just don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it is
0: in certain pockets. I see people complaining about it all the time. And I do think Apple does feel... Pressure, but is in such a dominant position that it doesn't need to change its behavior. It also probably doesn't perceive those things as ads because it's only advertising its own products,
3: right? Right? Yeah. I, I saw somebody Samsung is about just it.
0: an ad vendor for anything, right? You you were seeing ads for yeah anything inside of its weather app, and, and it was John's. super ugly, big ba- big banner
3: ads. Yeah, I got I got a TikTok ad this morning when I checked the weather.
1: Yeah, I see because I know the one that I remember from the iPhone was in the settings you see ads for like Apple care and Apple one and their own services. So I see what you mean.
0: Yeah. There, but it's still, it's advertising. It's just, it's a, it's a different flavor. In my opinion, it's, it's even less appetizing because, because Apple prides itself on not showing you ads on being a privacy first vendor. And then it's like, Oh, by the way, upgrade your Apple music subscription to Apple one. It's, (laughs) it just looks gross. All right, so let's talk quickly about these Pixel 6 charging rumors. Ara, walk us through these two, because they kind of go hand in hand.
2: Well, the first one is not really a surprising rumor in the slightest, and that is that the Pixel 6 and Pixel 6 Pro will not ship with a charger in the box, to which I'm saying good. I'm I'm sorry the Pixel uses standard 18 watt, watt uh 18 watt power delivery charging that is supported by basically every power delivery charger on the market. You probably have four or five chargers in your house that can use this right now. And if you don't it's about uh you should probably buy one and you should probably buy a better one than the one that comes in Google's box cuz it doesn't have folding prongs and it's big. I'm I'm sorry, I I hate that this is still a thing that we like rage about. Oh, I spent a thousand dollars on a phone and I demand my $10 charger in the box. Like, if you already have one of these chargers, you won't care. Cause it's just one less thing that's going to be in the box and one less thing that you're going to lose. And if you needed a charger, it allows you to go and buy something better that will probably be a lower price. So I'm I'm happy that it's not coming in the box because I have better chargers. I use my laptop charger for my phone most of the time, honestly. I have a Lenovo 45-watt charger just plugged in next to my couch so that way I can plug in Chromebooks while I work. And I just throw my phone on there every now and again. I don't really – power delivery has been here for – power delivery chargers have been here for five years, give or take. Because they came with mm-hmm. the Pixel 2, right? That was the first one to have actual power delivery charging? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So. We've hit the point where okay this is you have enough we're fine. And the next uh rumor that we have is that allegedly Pixel 6 will be the first Pixel to actually upgrade from that old 18 watt base power delivery charging and go up to I don't get this number 33. I understand if you were going to do 30 watt charging, I understand if you're going to do 36 watt charging. I don't get 33.
1: It's not. It's 30. Yeah. I I'm I'm sure it's 30. 33 would It'd be a lot more expensive to create than just 30.
0: Not with PPS though. PPS, you could do 33 because it's a scaling. But
2: if you were going to do system. PPS, then why would you pick 33? Like, that's the thing. If you're going to pick a number for PPS charging, like, there's a reason Samsung picked 25 and 45 when they were doing PPS because those were values that they could get a relatively consistent, easy to pick profile with them. Although the 25 watt one is a little bit weird.
1: I'm seriously doubting that. A a Pixel phone will have a PPS charger Mm -hmm. because it's Google. They're just going to try to stick with USB-C. And
2: let's be real, PPS chargers are still relatively hard to find in anything below 45 watts. Actually, they're hard to find in anything below 60 watts now that I think about it. PPS is still largely a laptop thing, so there aren't a whole lot of smaller chargers that have it unless they are specifically designed for Samsung's profile.
1: It's it's a much better protocol, but it's closed, and that's why Google wouldn't use it. I don't know. PPS is it's not, not closed. closed. It's
2: part of the power delivery spec. It's just one of those things. If it's a sub classification that requires more engineering and more paperwork, I think. But
1: huh? I thought PPS was proprietary. No,
2: PPS is no. part of power delivery 3.0, but it's not the standard part of power delivery 3.0. It's one of the sub things that you can tack on on top of it. So not a lot of people use it outside of laptop makers who use it to keep heat down while they're charging laptops at a high speed. That's part of why the Note did it for the Note 10 Plus for 45 watts.
0: Yeah, and has continued to use it for its 25 watt charging yes. because it just it's wor- it just works. It's super efficient.
2: It would be nice if Pixel did PPS, but I don't see them doing that. And yeah, I'm I'm with well, you. If I they do, there see... has to
0: be a
1: charger in the box.
0: I don't not necessarily. I mean, it'll. That it, it'll fall back to 18 watts, yeah, with but, an existing charger, and then they'll give you the option of
1: upgrading <laughs> to the new high-powered PPS charger, or whatever. Well, I people mean, people will rip Google apart if they announce that it's got PPS charging, but they don't give you a, a charging brick.
2: Yeah, I'm. I,
1: I hope that that happens. It's just also like one of those things it.
2: of Google prefers things that just work, and PPS is one of the things of it works if you can find the charger, but good luck finding the chargers at a reasonable speed at a reasonable size and a reasonable price. So I see it still that-
0: works. I, I I just think pe- you're overthinking it, right? It'll support it. And they'll say, if you want super high speed charging buy this $45 charger oh. that we're selling optionally, if not, it'll fall back to
1: 18 watts. <laughs> oh, I hope to see it. Oh. Just the level of complaining right now is, is nothing compared to what's going to happen if they do that. And I hope they do.
2: Yeah. Like, I'm I'm just hoping that they have like standard 30 or 36 watt charging because there are tons of 30 watt chargers already on the market. And if it's a standard protocol, then any of your like 45, 60, 90, whatever chargers will be able to output that profile too.
0: Well, we only have a few months to find out because it's September very soon and then October after that. So we will find out and we know that the Pixel 6s are coming because Google freaking announced them. All right, let's go quickly to this T-Mobile breach. Um, Jerry, give us 30 seconds on this. What what exactly happened here? Well,
1: well, nobody knows exactly what happened, but customer data from T-Mobile got stolen. Even T-Mobile isn't denying that it happened. They're saying they're investigating what got stolen. Uh, the person who claims to be in possession of the data says he has data for things like social security numbers, which you don't provide to T-Mobile when you sign up for service. So it's a bit of confusion. What exactly got taken and is it just T-Mobile that it got taken from? But if you're a T-Mobile customer, uh, I'm not saying run and go to another carrier or whatever, but keep an eye out. T-Mobile is going to send you something to say that, you know, your data was stolen. If your data was stolen they well, right. that's another thing. They don't know that this was every customer. They, we don't know anything yet. So it so uh,
0: on Tuesday, T-Mobile updated its customers, saying that um, a subset of T-Mobile data had been accessed, and that there's no credit card or financial documents. But some of the data access did include customers' first and last names, date of birth social security number, and driver's license ID information for a subset of current and former postpay customers and prospective T-Mobile customers.
1: See, and I don't understand that because you don't need to provide that to T-Mobile. Are people giving it to them anyway? Is it a credit check thing? Do you need to give them for...
3: So yeah, I, I'm kind of wondering that too, because I think when I call 611, you know, T Mobile customer service. I think they asked me for the last four, and I, I hate that they have that. And I've never had credit with them or anything. So I don't know why.
1: Or <laughs> <But laughs> well, maybe it's something it. that they're doing that's newer. I don't know. I, I you know what, I'm going to do when we're done? I'm going to sign up for a new T Mobile account, see what they ask me. That works. Because maybe I shouldn't have said it until I double, triple checked. Well, they are giving away
0: two years of free identity protection
1: yeah so thanks t-mobile yeah another company you have to give your personal details to that's going to one day get attacked
3: Yep, this is why i should just have id theft protection and call today that's that's my attitude about it
1: no the id (laughs) theft protection companies have access to all your data one day somebody's gonna get it from one of them right oh
0: all right. Well, speaking of viruses, let's uh, oh, let's just quickly talk about this uh, CES 2022 requiring <sighs> vaccinations to attend. I mean, this was, I think, coming. It, I, I don't think it's a surprise. If CES wants to maintain its reputation, it's going to have to require people to be vaccinated if they attend in person. I'm obviously happy about this because I'm attending CES in person. Right. Um, but I think this will be a very controversial decision from a yep. lot of people for a lot of people and I mean I I got a ton of people in my tweets telling me to you know F off about it and you know I did it, they, it's talk about their hippos <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's
2: fine.
0: I'm just they, saying that people have opinions they can and, stay away from uh, CES and we'll be fine they can have opinions
2: so. they're wrong but they can I'll have I'll be them. very
0: happy that they don't attend if they're not vaccinated but this is a this is a very fraught topic yeah so yeah, I mean we'll we'll see, but um I'm just happy that they're finally doing it because uh it's for everybody. It's in everybody's best interest. I don't think the city of Las Vegas is going to like it personally, but um, I don't
2: know. I mean, I'm pretty sure Vegas is like, "Oh, we're going to have tens of thousands of people here. We do not want to be a super spreader event any more than we currently are." No.
1: Nah, you're giving them too much credit I, all they I care about. I think you're giving us. them too
3: much credit. I don't think they get care. get the people
1: <laughs> and get their money. We we like you know, non-vaccinated money. Vaccinated people still
0: gamble. They still drink. They still go out to eat. In fact, they go out to eat because they're safe. They feel safer inside restaurants Mm -hmm. and things like that. So yeah, I mean, it's ultimately, I think it's the right decision. Okay. um, We're going to stop there. There's a couple other little pieces of news, but I'm going to, we're going to save them for next week if necessary. Let's take another break and we will come back and talk about what's making us happy this week. Mm -hmm. If you're trying to build a brilliant AI, you need a Turing test. How about if you're trying to hire a brilliant thinker? You need Indeed assessments. When hiring gets hard, you need Indeed, a job site that makes hiring incredibly simple. Just attract, interview, and hire. In fact, with Indeed, you can do all of your hiring in one place, even interviewing. Don't just hope your perfect candidate will find you. Indeed's hiring tools help you cut through the noise to hire faster and smarter. In fact, Indeed Instant Match provides a list of Quality candidates whose resumes are on Indeed the moment you post a sponsored job. With Indeed assessments, choose from 135 skill tests to help make sure you're finding applications from people with the skills you need. According to TalentNest, Indeed delivers four times more job hires than all other job sites combined. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Get started right now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash ACP. Get a $75 credit. Go to Indeed.com slash ACP. Indeed.com slash ACP. Offer valid through September 30th. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, we are back. Ara, what is making you happy this week?
2: Marvel, what if? this is a wonderful series and i hope it spawns off into tons of little spin-offs from each of these little multiverses that we have found because uh, marvel what if is an anima- is uh an animated series it's the first marvel animated series that has been produced for disney plus and after loki opened up the multiver uh the uh, marvel cinematic universe into a multiverse by breaking the timeline uh we now get to explore all these little alternate rea- uh, alternate timelines and alternate realities of what if This had happened instead of this. Uh, The one we got last week was um, if Peggy Carter got the Captain America serum instead of uh, Steve Rogers, which was a good story. I loved it. It felt a little predictable at times, but it's also one of those things of, okay, we made a small change, but we still have basically the same plot that we have to get through here because it's World War II and it's a war. It's going to follow most of the same beats. This week, what we got was instead of the Ravagers picking up Chris Pratt's character for to become Star-Lord, they instead kidnapped T'Challa because they were like, oh, let's hone in on the most alien thing on this planet and that was Wakanda. And they didn't see the city because of the cloaking but uh, T'Challa went out because he was, you know, being a kid and playing around. So, instead, T'Challa went off with the Ravagers and then we went from Marvel What If to Marvel What TF in about five minutes because this was an amazing episode i'm very very happy with the casting in this um they got josh Brolin back as thanos they got um god nebula's voice actor was back they got basically everybody from the movies to come back and voice their characters and it was a very interesting change of okay we made this one change and look at how much better this timeline is and then you come back to the end and go oh wait but this is still doomed but it's it's a wonderful storyline. I'm so, I've been so happy with it. I've watched it twice and I'm probably going to watch it again sometime today. Um, it felt sad because uh, this Marvel What If Season 1 is going to be the last uh, performance for Chadwick Boseman. He got a dedication at the end of this episode, but it was wonderful to hear him in that role again. And I'm looking very much forward to the end episodes of this uh, series where these characters start coming together.
0: That's lovely. I'm very excited about watching this. So
3: that is Marvel. What if um,
0: on Disney plus. All right, Nick, what is making you happy?
3: Star Wars visions. I guess we're going to stick with the Disney theme. Right. Um, So that, that trailer, I mean, we've known about this before, but like the new trailer that came out is super exciting. It comes out like the day before my birthday. It's uh, it's sort of like the animatrix um how they did this you know extended look at the universe through the eyes of several different creators but this time around obviously focused on Star Wars and um, it's a Japanese anime anthology series so i just the the combination of like samurai and so sort of some of these other things with lightsabers and it's like everything i love in one thing <laughs> that's just and there's
2: also so many like Star Wars drew from a lot of that, like, samurai, honorable uh, warrior stuff, and it's going to be so fun to see that played on. But also, instead of having to do wait a week for every episode, it sounds like Visions is going to give us all of the episodes at once, so we're going to get to properly binge them.
3: Oh, I didn't know that. That's even better. Excellent. Oh, good. Yeah, it's...
2: I'm not 100% sure on that, but I've seen it in a few places, which makes me hopeful. <laughs>
3: no, I mean, either way, I don't care. It's coming out. It looks incredible, and I cannot wait. It's only a month away. So, and then uh, non-Disney, I guess, I'm um, going to a Yankees game tonight, which I don't even know the last time I went to a baseball game, so it'll be really cool to go see a live sporting event again. <laughs> Who yeah, are the I am
0: playing. I, I'm very
1: curious about that.
3: I don't. I don't know anything about baseball. I don't even know who they're playing. I just want to go to be there. <laughs> oh, let's look.
1: You live in Baltimore, or, or, or it, near the best baseball facility in the world, and you don't know about baseball?
3: Here, this this is how I'm much ashamed. I know about baseball. I didn't even know where Yankee Stadium was in New York. Okay, so <laughs> oh. there you go. <laughs> that's, that's...
0: Oh man, I'm cutting off your microphone. <laughs> they're playing the Twins tonight. <laughs> okay. They're not very good. Go the Yankees twins.
1: should win. Go Twins. Alright, Jerry, what is making you happy this week? Uh, it's not anything Marvel or Star Wars. Aww. So, Here. it's uh, the yeah. Android book. Which, I, I, I'm going to admit, I it was a $10 book, and when I bought it, I didn't expect much. But, it's pretty neat. It's not at all what I expected. It's not a technical, you know, engineer book at all. It's kind of like, you would think david attenborough could you know give the voiceover it's just a history and it's because i follow the history of android so closely as in, in you know i've been doing this a while i was there a lot of it is really cool to know all the behind the scenes stuff that made the the things we saw happen and it's i mean there are no spoilers all this information is freely available But it's it's reading it from somebody who was part of that team's perspective is a really neat little read. And like I said, you get it from Google Play or Amazon and it's only ten dollars if you like to read. And you're an Android fan. This is a no brainer. You you need to pick it up. You will understand it. Like I said, it's not full of engineering stuff that is just going to make you fall asleep. It's a good book.
0: Yeah, I mean this is also written by one of the guys who was there, right? Yeah. Haas. Jet Haas. Was he is still involved in the engineering side of Android. Um, I think he leads one of the engineering teams under Dave Burke. Um he's just a very knowledgeable dude and he's been there since the beginning and he's a good writer. So um I think it all it all came together pretty nicely. I, I yeah. didn't know what to expect, but I'm I'm enjoying it so far.
1: It's certainly not what you would have thought it was, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, exactly. It's not dry and soulless. Right.
0: Well, um, I highly recommend everybody spends the 10 bucks and gets it. All right, what's making me happy this week? Uh, sticking with the Marvel theme. So firstly, I'm getting through the Loki episodes that I didn't have time for uh, last month, which I'm really enjoying. I think I've just finished episode three so loving the variants and, and and I just I just love their the the interaction between the two lokis they're they're great um I am really excited about Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings Shang-Chi. The earliest reviews oh, sorry Shang-Chi I'm going to get uh, uh pilloried for that um,
1: <laughs> for
0: for a good reason um I've always said it in my head that way and I'm I'm a very that's that's very uh north american normative of me i I apologize shang chi and the legend of the ten rings it's okay
3: daniel i still say jeff
0: early reviews are saying that it's one of the most fun movies marvel's ever made and that it just the fight scenes are crazy like best they've seen since captain america um civil war it's like one of the best choreographed fight scenes marvel's ever done um, you know, going back to Black Panther, a lot of like Melee stuff, It's I, I'm very, very excited about it. So this comes out September 3rd, uh, I think. Yes. And uh, it'll be only in theaters. This is not some Black Widow debuting in Premiere Access on Disney+. Plus. Uh, but I actually may go to a theater to see it because that's how excited I am for this. Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. So that is our show this week. Um, if you have any feedback, uh, if you want to make fun of me for my poor uh, pronunciations or whatever else, uh, you, uh, other thoughts you had about the show, send it to us, podcast at androidcentral.com. You can find Jerry at GB Hill. You can find Ara at AraWagCo. You can find Nick at Guanatsu. You can find me at Journey Dan. You can find all of us at Android Central. And we'll be back next week with another episode. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye.
3: Hi. See ya.
1: Ayos.